Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Pregnant ladies and little kids better get the hell out of the way because I am running. I'm just, I'm like Forrest Gump, dude. I am running. So... The Titanic was the biggest ship on the ocean, but that didn't mean it was unsinkable. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to use ombudsman in a sentence next week. I got one for you. My name is Kevin, the official ombudsman of the Podcast. You like apples? Welcome into another edition of the JPP Pod. We got a, a, a jam-packed podcast coming for you this week, and we're joined by the normal crew. We got LJ and Pops with me, and... We hey, got hey. a special guest. We got longtime listener, friend of the pod, Josh, aka Jay Money in the Jay building. What's up, Josh? How's it going? <laughs> Not much going on here at the pod, but there's a lot going on just in general. You know, we talked about last week being kind of a dead time in sports, but we kind of were getting together just a, a list of topics to run through. And I feel like we got a lot to talk about, Pops. Yeah. I do True too. That. Absolutely. True that. We got, I mean, uh, the NBA draft happened. I, I, we have a few thoughts on that. And then, you know, the biggest news of the week, I feel free like. Free agency is, is like on fire. Yeah. NBA free agency. Oh, yeah. Woo! It's on fire. <laughs> and oh, I got, I know, I can't wait to talk about, it's coming up a little bit later. If you're a fan of animated movies and Pixar, we got a Toy Story 4 topic coming up. And just Toy Story in general, I can't wait. I got some fun facts to tell you guys about kind okay. of the making of Toy Story 1 and, and right. some of the stuff. I think you'll find it a little interesting. And then a little baseball, a little football. I mean, we got it all for you this week. So let's dive straight into it. Uh, the NBA draft. Dad, I, 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 we can get into something maybe if Before you like or to dislike the, I have it. a question. Where okay. is oh, LeBron going to play in 2022? That's what I need to know right now. Well, <laughs> well, we know the Lakers won't be drafted in the first round for the next decade. But <laughs> LeBron could be leaving because he does want to play with his son. Speculation. My source. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. <laughs> Um, the, we can get into like, if you have a thought on, you know, who someone drafted and whatnot, can, I feel like we got to discuss, did you notice, I'm sure you have by now the wrong hat thing where all yes. the guys going up. Yes. Because what? free agency doesn't actually start until what July, the something. So yeah, LJ, tell, I don't know if you watched the NBA draft. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Just ask Jay money. He probably knows. Jay money knows. <laughs> So no. <laughs> the players walk up, the players walk up and they get drafted. And you know how it works in the NFL. You know, you walk up and they hand you like, if you go to the Broncos, they hand you like a, a, a jersey and a hat. Right. That says like, you're a Bronco. Yeah. Well, the NBA draft works. There's a ton of trades in the NBA draft. Sure. And the way it works, as dad was alluding to, NBA rule doesn't allow any trades to go through until the new league year starts, which is July 6th. Okay. And the what, what that means is so like, and we'll put a picture of this. It just is. It just doesn't make sense. Like the Lakers traded the fourth pick to the Hawks. So when DeAndre Hunter went to the podium, despite everyone knowing it was the Hawks' pick, 
a Lakers oh. thing shows up in the background. Like they do like the Lakers selection on the screen. Okay. Uh, the Lakers logos on the big monitor. And yeah. Adam Silver even says, with the fourth pick in the 2019 NBA draft, the Los Angeles Lakers select DeAndre Hunter, Virginia. And they hand him a hat. That's From the LA the Lakers. Laker hat. Yeah. Okay. And so he puts this on his head. He even goes to do the the little the interview with Marie Taylor after all the lottery picks. They go do an interview. And they she's over there talking about like What's your thoughts about going to Atlanta and playing with Trey wow. Young? And all the while, he's wearing a Laker hat. It's yeah. just is the stupidest thing okay. in the world. Yeah, that's that's pretty dumb. Can we take a break for a minute to talk about? Is it Marie Taylor? Is that her name? Yeah, she is freaking well, gorgeous, man. She is. And, I mean, she and is she's fantastic at her job. She, <laughs> she is, is fantastic so at her job. Yes, all oh. those interviews were as, as good as they've been in years past to me. I, I thought she did a really good job, but the uh, hat thing—it's just dumb. Yeah, that sounds really dumb. That sounds right, really Did dumb. you lose it? Did we lose you? No, I was trying to look up Marie Taylor and uh, I found a whole bunch of LinkedIn <laughs> profiles. So, <laughs> hey, check her out. I mean, I'm telling you, I tried. I failed. she's, a, she's I failed. gorgeous. She's a gorgeous woman. And she is, like well, Kevin said, she's excellent at her job. Fantastic. Well, so, so this not only did this happen with DeAndre Hunter, but it continued to happen a lot because in, the, in total, the NBA draft had 24 trades, which we should also mention that. For whatever reason, like, you know, the NFL does their Thursday night draft and there's like 10 minutes between picks. Yeah. So they have plenty of time. For, like If a pick gets traded, you have plenty of time to talk about it. Right, right, right. Well, the NBA does like a minute or two minutes between each pick. And these trades were happening so fast. I honestly, and with the hat situation, I had no idea at one point. And this is someone who really like tries to stay plugged in and know what's going on. I had no idea where guys were getting picked. Yeah. Like at one point. Me too, At Kevin. one point, they had like I feel like Jalen Rose or Jay Billis, one of them was talking about how a guy fit with the with the the team, and they were talking about the wrong team because they also didn't know where the pick was going. And those guys sure were ESPN. It was ridiculous. But so there were twenty four trades. Five of the first eleven were traded in the draft. So that means five of the first eleven people taken had a picture taken of them on draft night with the <laughs> league commission wearing the wrong. Damn hat! It's just so stupid. I agree with you. I that agree. makes sense. Here's yeah. here's what I wonder: yes. why why is the NBA so bad at rolling out their product versus the NFL? Why is it they cannot roll this into something cohesive, actually entertaining to watch, and not just so? Well, because the NBA or the NFL draft is really fun to watch. True, but the but NBA like, draft is. Why does it have to be that way? Uh, though, is my question. Thing well, that that's exists. what's that's what's weird to me. So, as far as commissioners go, uh, Adam I would say Silver I, is a way better Adam commissioner. Si- yeah. Yeah. As far as like better they, than Goodell, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know it's hard to believe, but yes, I believe he is better. As yeah, as far as like like player like helping out his players and doing the right thing and reacting swiftly to to punishing people and not just punishing people just to punish people and the weird stuff that Goodell in the NFL does. It seems like Adam Silver's a great commissioner, but they just cannot figure out like Josh did like this draft stuff. Everyone's wanting to watch it. Like I know LJ gets annoyed, but everyone's all into this draft and free agency and all the trades and how much cap will the Pel- the Lakers have and all this stuff. But they can't figure out a good way to to show it to us. Like we're all watching it on TV, but they can't find out a way to to give us a good product to watch. And I just think for a, for a commissioner that seems like the best commissioner in sports, it seems like he would find someone to say, "Hey, let's fix this. This is because this isn't a new issue." Aye. 
This bet your money, Kevin. Years. Bet your money. It's figured out by next year. I bet you money. Well, it's figured out by. But next the hat year. thing's been going on. This isn't new. This happened well, last year, the year before. Well, but the Just Press Play podcast has talked about it now, and we know the impact that that has. Oh, well, true. So exactly we my do. point, LJ. Exactly <laughs> my point. I guess I, I failed to realize that the Just Press Play podcast works as, as somewhat of a bat signal to Adam Adam Silver. <laughs> it worked for Goodell. I mean, we're looking at those kickoff rules. I'm just saying. <laughs> true, true. True that. And, I mean, you know, the part that I'm really, I tried to do a bunch of Google searching, and, you know, usually the investigative journalist that is myself would figure this <laughs> out. I couldn't figure out. So the NBA league doesn't start until July 6th. Right. And the funny thing was, LJ, even though even the wrong hat was one thing, the team's Twitter account can't actually even tweet about a guy they, they picked if oh it was a traded pick. So, like, the Hawks tweeted after they took DeAndre Hunter. They tweeted emojis with a zipped, like a zip thing, and then like oh a, a one cushion. Because technically, DeAndre Hunter is a Laker until July six, and they can't they can't talk about another team's player. So, but even more so, well, even more, the NBA summer league starts. Uh, it goes July first through third. I think that means DeAndre Hunter and five of the first eleven picks in the draft can't play with their new team because technically he's a Laker, not. A hawk. So, so I don't know how that works. I, what I'm you're telling me, and, and this may out. be a transition, but what you're telling me is that the NBA can control the Atlanta Hawks Twitter account, but they can't control whether James Dolan invites whoever he wants to his press conferences or not. Right. <laughs> They're trying to control that, and we'll get into that. But yeah, basically, that's what I'm telling you. That's yeah. absurd. I mean, that's what he's telling you. So why is it the yeah. NBA has to do their draft so early? Why not push it back some? Why, well, that's a why fair all question. this? Like, that, is there a reason thank behind you. it? Yes. Kevin, yeah, I, you know, I, no, that's why I, I think this is got to be Adam Silver on. Can we get Adam yeah. Silver on? You know what? Week? Okay, so we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll work on that. We'll work on that. Okay. But the problem is, the problem is the NBA, the sport is the free agency. That's my, that's been my whole problem with it this whole time is like in the past 10 years, the sport has been who's going to end up on what team. It's not been about who's going to win the championship. That's not interesting because we're deciding the championships for the next six years. And so that's why the draft is right now is because the championship isn't important enough. The draft is way above it in, in fans' eyes. Well, and, and free I think that is. was the issue the past three years because it seemed like the Warriors were foregone conclusion to win it. But I think that's changing now because finally I think that the, the odds aren't as stacked with Kevin Durant maybe leaving what whatever. But since Kevin Durant joined the Warriors, yes, LJ, I believe it's always been – it's always been wondering, all right, how can someone help in free agency to dethrone the Warriors? So we're always looking ahead to the next year, the next year, or the next three years. Hopefully that changes. But yeah, I, I don't know. They got to fix that. By the way, I mentioned Summer League starting up July 1st. That gives us a, a little chance to tell you if you were, if you're happen, if you're going to happen to be in Vegas to watch the Summer League and you're looking for some tickets, our homies over at SeatGeek <laughs> can help you get some. They want to take the confusion out of ticket buying experience. And instead of shopping dozens of sites trying to find the best deal for the summer league, because I'm sure a lot of people haven't gone to the summer league before. I know <laughs> I, I kind of, it's on my bucket list of things wanting to do because it actually has gotten really cool. I would love the first game of this NBA summer league, dad, is going to be the Knicks versus the Pelicans. So RJ Barrett versus Zion Williamson. Yep. I plan on watching it. And now ESPN like airs all the summer league games. But if you're wanting to go to it, <laughs> SeatGeek's trying to take out all the 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 headache from you, and their their app scans the web for the best deals to your favorite game, concert, or show, or summer league game, and rates them on a scale of zero to ten and lets you know you're getting the best bang for your buck. They have a green dot will make a good deal, the yellow dots eh deal, and then the red dots that you probably want to stay away from them. 
And right now, if you use the promo code ACAA, that's for Armchair All Americans. That's one of our partners right now with the Just Press Play Pod. You can receive twenty bucks off your first purchase. So that's what two two free beers on us. I think so. When, you hit, when you hit Vegas for the summer league, <laughs> two free beers, one trip to the bathroom on us. And <laughs> and so that's to, that's twenty bucks off, off your first purchase if you put in the promo code ACAA right now on SeatGeek. Uh, life is an event and SeatGeek has the tickets. All right, Dad. Speaking of the NBA, we, we've done the draft. We've done, we've done, we talked a little bit of Zion. I kind of want to talk about how likable Zion is, but in general, do you have a, a who won the draft real quick? I, you know, I think in my opinion, I think Atlanta, I think the Atlanta Hawks won the draft. I really like their picks of DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish to put with Trey Young. I just thought that was, I, I really like the nucleus that Atlanta's putting together. My dark horse in this would be Chicago. Number one, I like Chicago. Because they drafted a Razorback? They, dra- <laughs> they drafted, that's, no, exactly. time out. Let me finish. They drafted. Yep, yep Josh knows. They, they drafted Kobe White, a 16-4-4 and kid from North Carolina. Six, I think he's like 6-5 point guard, who I think will be very good. Uh, in the league, and then yeah, they did get a seven, a six eleven swing man from Arkansas, seventeen one and nine. Uh, I think that has to be nine <laughs> rebounds and one assist. I said that backwards, but yeah, I yeah, think yeah, I, say, <laughs> I think you buried the lead there. <laughs> yes, so so yes, do I? They drafted a Razorback. I think Daniel Gafford will be better in the NBA than he was at Arkansas. I really do think he will because he can stretch the floor. He he can run the floor. He's got to develop that outside shot. So to me. Atlanta and Chicago won the draft, other than obviously New Orleans did because of Zion Williams. Getting Zion Williamson, yeah. Uh, I agree. Well, one, I love the Kobe White pick just because, LJ, I don't know if you know who Kobe White is, but he has nope. a huge fro. His hair is kind of similar to yours, except for bigger. Fantastic. And when he put when he put that hat on, that big old afro, it was <laughs> he, funny to he, see. He made that hat work. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was tough. Yeah. But it, that I kind of was on the same as you. I really love what Atlanta's doing, and I still like. If we go back as a Dallas fan, I still am totally for the Luca trade we did last year. Oh yeah, that netted Dallas the rookie you like of the that year, Luka, Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic, you like that guy? Yeah, I haven't I'm heard. Still, okay. I still would cool. go back ten times out of ten and do that trade again. But <laughs> I love what the Hawks did this year. They they stockpiled some picks, and part of that being the Dallas pick they got last year. And the Dallas pick got him Cam Reddish at 10, and they traded up and got DeAndre Hunter at four. And we've talked about over and over again, Dad, wings, shooting, and spacing. And that's exactly what Atlanta's doing with, like you said, Trey Young. We I, He has some troubles defensively, but offensively he looks like he has the potential to be a Steph Curry in the making. And then drafting Reddish and DeAndre Hunter, you get two long six foot seven wings that have a seven-foot wingspan who both can shoot from the outside, both can play defense really well, switch and play and then at shooting guard, they got Kevin Herter, who he gets when he was coming into the draft uh, last year, he was getting a ton of Clay compar- Clay Thompson comparisons. And he's also a six foot seven guy who can really, really shoot the three. He needs to develop his defense. And they got a center that can run the floor and shoot threes too, and John Collins. So I, I really like what they're doing. I mean, they're not going to win the championship, but they got a lot a good young. No, pool. but it, it's funny you talked about Clay Thompson because I think Atlanta is Golden State East. I think they're they're fashioning well, a t- a team like Golden State made, and uh, their I, GM is from Golden State, and he said that he wants to build a team. I think he watched what Golden State did, and he's trying to trying to redo that trying to redo that process, and it's working to me. I think I do I too. Think. 
I might just see Atlanta play this year with that nucleus. I'm really interested to watch NBA play. Speaking of, we mentioned Luca winning rookie of the year. Well, I mentioned Luca winning rookie of the <laughs> <Yeah>. year. <laughs> I, it came we up organically, I really promise. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to really get into it, but the NBA just did their award ceremony on Monday night. That is so dumb to announce the MVP. Like they announced Giannis, uh, the Giannis Antetokounmpo wins the MVP, and he hasn't played in yeah. 34 I saw days that too, and I hate that. It's so ridiculous. I that's one of the few things it, I had an opinion on NBA wise was getting that notification that Giannis won MVP because you either announce that before the playoffs are over or. Uh, yeah. You give it to somebody who Dirk won, won the one championship. Year. Like it just Remember? doesn't make sense. Dark won well, it one and year. So I, and, and, I think it, the thought know. process. The thought process is by doing it now. They used to do it. If you remember, Dad, not that long ago, they would announce it like in the second round of the playoffs, and you would see you would see the guy accept the MVP award before a home playoff game, and like the crowd would go wild, and it was it was fun. It was I thought that was good. But now they want to make it a TV thing to where you'll watch it on TV. So, like, they wait till after the finals are over and they have this big live award ceremony. And the, the issue with that is the MVP is a regular season award. So now, like, everyone feels like Kawhi Leonard should win MVP after right. what she just watched in the playoffs. Right. But since he took a lot of games off in the regular season, Giannis, who I think is very deserving of the award, wins sure. it. And, like, Luka Doncic wins the rookie of the year. We haven't watched – obviously, the Mavericks weren't even didn't even sniff the playoffs. We haven't even thought about Luka Doncic in three months. We're already talking about potential rookie of the years for next year, and we're and they're just now getting the award. I, it's just dumb, and I think it doles it down. I'm not do near think, as interested in the Do you think maybe that's rooted in the decision by Sir LeBron James? I, I think that's I, a very you have fair a good point. point. I think it could be. And, I mean, in line with the hat, with the hat thing, with the draft, I mean, Adam Silver, who I think is the best commissioner – in sports, needs to improve just a little bit. He need, he has some work to do. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, and it's not a hard blueprint. I mean, follow the NFL's blueprint. Like it's it's there. Just go that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not. Yeah, wrong. like there there's certain things that Roger Goodell screws up, uh, i.e., Ray Rice and basically every domestic violence thing that's happened in the NFL. Yeah, but. There's certain things in the NFL knows one thing, and that's how to monetize their product and show a good product on TV. Yep. And if you're Adam Silver, yeah, just just take some notes, and I'm sure you can get someone smart in his camp. If not, then we're only a phone call away. I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll text him later after this. Dad, why do you think Zion Williamson is the most likable player in the NBA right now? Maybe in sports. I mean, everything that guy does. I just become more of a fan of Zion. You know, I, I do. I agree with you. I think because the guy asked him. What was the guy said? Are you in shape? Did you see that? Where the? Yeah. I mean, is it the general During his manager? Introductory or presser, the, like the, yeah, I think no. it was the owner or GM. It wasn't. It wasn't David Griffin. No, but it was somebody I think else he was like, the head of uh, like the announcer for the team or something. Okay, but he just says, "Are you in shape?" And I think Zion handled it very well. Zion seems like a likable kid. He's saying the right things. He's smiling at the right time. I mean, he. This guy's fixing to make a buttload of money because <laughs> yeah. not only is he uber talented, he's got the personality and the smile to go with it. I, I think there there's no limit to what this kid could. True. Well, there was the there was the moment post draft, and we we talked about Marie Taylor, and when he did his interview with Marie Taylor, he like he's known he's been the first round. Like everyone and their mom knew that he was going to be the number one overall pick for the past probably since January. Sure, but. When he goes and does the interview with Marie Taylor, it kind of sets in and he start like he breaks into tears and starts talking about his mom and how his mom was always pushed him and kept him going. And he started crying and his mom started crying. The moment was great. And we'll post it in the show. notes. It was a really cool moment. And then they asked him about, does he have a message for New Orleans? And just I don't know if he, this was like a, a thought out thing, but he just goes, 
yeah, my message, to, they were like, what's your message to New Orleans if you have any? And he just goes, let's dance. And it was just the perfect answer. And it was, it was great. And everything he does, I just think he becomes more and more likable. And I, I'm excited to see, like, like you said, Dad, I think the Hawks won it as far as we were concerned. But if you really want to talk about the winners, it's the Pelicans because they got Zion freaking Williamson. Hey, we need to road trip down to New Orleans and see an NBA game next year. I would be all in on that. That would I, be. Hey, you don't even care about the exciting. NBA, and I'm in. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, I'd love to. Go. The only thing I'm a little worried about uh, Zion is I've been to New Orleans once, and or actually twice, and New Orleans serves you a lot of food. The other time, all of which, <laughs> all of which is food that doesn't. It kind of sticks to your ribs a little bit. It's not food that is conducive for. Zion's already a thick guy, just thick with the CK. I'm worried he could become thick with a couple C's or something. <laughs> If, yeah. he, if he hangs out in New Orleans too long. <laughs> Episode title. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We talked to, we talked about Adam Silver and, and issues that the commissioner has. Well, one is he's dealing with now, and LJ alluded to this, is running in old old Jimmy Dolan, Jimmy. Mr. James Dolan at the, at the New York Knicks. Uh, you might have seen this after the draft. The Knicks were going to hold their introductory presser for their first round pick, RJ Barrett, and their second round pick, Izzy Brazdakis, out of uh, Michigan. And they didn't allow two journalists from the New York Daily News to attend. And they did this earlier in the year, if you remember. Dolan didn't let uh, guys from the Daily News attend an a introductory presser for their president, I think Steve Mills, like in December. And it was because they ran a graphic on their back page that said, do it, referring to the rumors that Dolan was thinking about selling the team. Uh, The Pro Basketball Writers Association released a statement later saying that the Knicks' decision to ban the journalist was unprofessional and unacceptable. And the only message message it is sending is that he is a bully who retaliates against legitimate news outlets and published content that he (laughs) does that published content he dislikes. So I wanted to ask you guys, are are. Is James Dolan in the right, Dad? I mean, he, he owns the team. Do you think he's in the right or is he completely in the wrong? I mean, here's here's my take on that. You know what? He he did a little power play. He he uh he got his point across, I think, and I'm okay. It's like no big deal to me, but I think it's pretty stupid. But they kind of talk shit on him, so he here we go. I'm gonna pay you back, and it's over. It's done. I think it's much ado about nothing. I would move on, but I mean that's that's my point. LJ? Uh, you know, I actually thought I was going to be the contrarian opinion, and I actually think that who who who, who cares? Because uh, this is Adam Silver's problem, not our problem, not uh, a, a team problem. This is a league problem. And, and so if they're not allowed to cancel the invitations to different players, then, you know, that's that's on, you know, them, and they got to figure that out. But – like, it's not like I think the journalists whining about how, like, this is an infringement on their rights. And it's not like they put an ad in the back and, and that said do it. And they're acting like, well, they're, they're just mad about legitimate journalism. And it's just they're, they're writing opinion pieces about how he sucks. And I understand why he'd want to cancel it. This isn't journalism. This is teasing online, except on this is cyberbullying in a paper is what it is. And that's not to say that they don't have the right to do that. They absolutely do. And I love that they do. And I hope that they continue to. I wish that the other reporters would have just decided not to go to the event in response to it. But this is James Dolan has that right. Unless Adam Silver tells him he doesn't. I just, but what what ends up happening though, if, if, if teams are allowed to do this, which 
it came out Monday that the NBA fined the next fifty thousand dollars for violating mm-hmm. NBA media access rules. Uh, but if this continues to happen, or if this is okay, then you're going to see more media who just is afraid to to really criticize. I think owners and managers because they're worried it could take their credentials away. Don't you think? I no, mean, because because the story here no, is no. that I'm going to start buying an online subscription to the New York Daily News because they seem to be hilarious. Like that is such a good tactic to like sell me on why that paper is worth listening to as opposed to the people that pander to James Dolan. So if I were in that market, I'm in. Like, if I cared about totally, New York totally sports, corner, totally. I I think the New York Daily News got more more out of this than Dolan did bad. They got more good out of this than Dolan did bad. Yeah. I think it's great. The most ridiculous. Josh, part, are you though, in agreement with LJ? And I'm I'm kind of on my own island. Um, <laughs> personally, I think he uh, he overstepped. You know, there's no reason to ban any reporter coming in just because they publicize something that he doesn't like. And that's, that's part of this business. You know, people are going to disagree with your owner and that's okay. And if he can't take that, maybe he shouldn't be an owner. He's had a lot of other issues and maybe this is just more for the world of bad choices on his part. Yeah, but this is yeah. Maybe if he can't take it, maybe if he can't take it, they're right, and he should do it and sell the team. And he's in the New York market. You're the owner of the New York freaking Knicks, (laughs) exactly. But but this is basketball, not like the presidency. Like I I feel like there's more outrage about this than when they kicked that CNN reporter out of a White House press conference. Like it's it's not that big of a deal. Like who cares? And this sells more papers for the New York Daily News than otherwise, in my opinion. And they still reported on the conference. Like they watched literally the MSG channel to watch the conference. Well, see, that's the thing. That's the thing that kills me is I think the smart decision is they should have watched the, they should have not watched the conference and then just made up baseless remarks saying, <laughs> Hey, we weren't there. So we're just doing the best we can. And like, yeah. I don't know, talk about how Dolan came out in a diaper and how uh, everybody was crying the whole, like whatever, just make up bullshit and say it's their fault for not inviting us. So this is the best we could provide. That's what they should have done. Well, and I, I guess it comes down to, for me, L, is it's maybe not this is the issue, but it's just this is James Dolan in general. He's done, he did this, He like he's had his issues with Charles Oakley because Charles Oakley said some things that he didn't like about the Knicks and James Dolan. And he had some issues with a fan who didn't like, he went back at a fan and told like, he got in like this tweet war with a fan who called him out and said like you probably live a terrible life. They even <laughs> called him that said you're you probably still live with your mom and dad in the in the basement and you're probably an alcoholic. Like it was stupid. And Look, I just he's the owner of the New York Knicks and he gets I'm into not this saying stuff. He's well, one, not a if you, dick and he's if you not don't an like idiot, people criticizing but... you, do a better job. He's just <laughs> terrible at his job and doesn't like that people call him out on it. Yeah, Have they done anything the successful since he's owned the team at all? I mean, define successful. They played they, in the NBA. That's sure. better than I have. But so. I think they've not been too. <laughs> How long has he owned the team, Kevin? Any idea? Because I would say I think almost, he's owned it since the uh, like late nineties or early two thousands. Because they've been but a joke then for probably the answer is about no. I yeah. think they they had a better record than the seventy sixers that year that they didn't win any games. So that's probably. <laughs> Okay, well, yeah, the 76ers have also made the playoffs <laughs> at least once in this in this <laughs> since we've been in the year 2000. <laughs> speaking of speaking of James Dolan, uh, I read I, this is I don't have the exact stat, but I believe since they drafted Patrick Ewing first overall in the frozen envelope, it's a conspiracy. The, the NBA gave it to him, but <laughs> since they drafted Patrick Ewing first overall, they haven't signed one draft pick to an extension after their rookie deal. Really, meaning. None of those draft picks have worked out. They because wow. they suck. James Dolan has been terrible. He's That's been an terrible as an owner. Stat. 
I'll try to look it up. I'll put it in the show notes. But it was going around Twitter earlier in the season. Some, some uh, a New York journalist found it, and and it's probably from the like New York Daily News. Yeah, they haven't had one. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Did they let Porzingis walk away from anything? Like, did they have him on? Well, yeah. So the way with Porzingis, no team like, when when your draft pick works, and Porzingis worked out for them, he was a great pick. But when a draft pick works, they almost always sign that second deal because the first team can sign them to a huge contract that no one else can, and they have restricted rights over them, so they can match any offer. So basically, it always ends up happening where you stay for your second contract because that rookie wants to cash in. Porzingis literally said, I'll walk and take $5 million the following <laughs> year if y'all don't trade me. So you might as well trade me. And it worked out for my Mavs. The Mavs got Porzingis, and hopefully he can be healthy. But yeah, he he literally said, "I'll go take five million instead of the one hundred and fifty eight million that y'all can offer me." Wow! To go and I'll wait it out. Mm, that's crazy. Which he could, and this is a guy who has injury issues. Like a guy who has injury in, in, injury issues said that he would rather take the chance than play another year at the New York Knicks. So, yeah. I, so we can agree he is the worst owner in all of sports. Dan Snyder. Yeah, I think I he's think up for the award. Uh, I think uh, he's, he's in the runner. Dan he's Snyder. a candidate. Cronky. Uh, uh, yeah. Cronky. Um, They've had winning records. James Dolan doesn't even have a winning record under his belt. Like two, I think, in the past. Yeah, like, but the Rams years, don't so. have a city that likes them. So I, I mean, think the Knicks likes have them pretty a, much right now. No, I don't think they do. I, think I, the Rams also went to the Super Bowl, LJ. Yeah, and I don't think anyone cares. <laughs> Legitimately, <laughs> we, you watched it. Okay. All right. All right. Well, speaking of football, I do want to. There was a, a fun uh, football topic that I saw over the weekend, and. You may remember an incident that occurred shortly after one Le'Veon Bell became a very highly paid New York Jet, where two women actually left. He allegedly two women stole a bunch of jewelry from his house, and now the nine one one call has been released. And oh God! Let's just say the nine one one call is something. Dad, did you get to hear the, the call? I did. I mean, he's Le'Veon Bell. I mean, he is awfully, awfully talented, but he <laughs> may not be the. <laughs> But I feel like there's a big butt coming. I just don't think he's a very bright guy. I mean, he just, I, I mean, he is athletic. Thank God he's got that. So, can, can we agree, well, though, that he is so, living his best life? Yeah, oh, I mean, yes. Yeah. I mean. Let, so, to if, if you didn't hear the call, what Josh is referring to is in the 911 call when he calls up, he says that he got up, did his normal routine, and went to go do a workout for a couple hours, leaving the two women in his bed. <laughs> the woman, the, the, when he came back, a bunch of jewelry, shoes, and clothes were missing. The 911 operator asked him, Is there an approximate value of the stolen items that were stolen? And very nonchalantly, Le'Veon Bell's like, uh, I don't know, like a million dollars worth or something. <laughs> so one, the fact that you can just throw out, I think it was like a million dollars worth of stuff got stolen and not be like completely upset. That's awesome. And then it goes even more. She then goes on to ask him what the first woman was wearing who allegedly stole from him. And he answers, uh, I, I don't really know. She was she was in bed. And she was like, well, what was she wearing? She, was, she wasn't wearing any clothes. She was. I left him in bed not wearing clothes. And then she goes, well, wh- what so, about this, yeah, the Mr. second Bell. woman? What was the second woman wearing? And he got he kind of has a long pause. He goes, uh... She was in bed too. Neither one of them had clothes on. They, they were both they were both naked in bed. I left them that way. Uh, and he barely knew these chicks. He uh, barely knew these two chicks and left them in a home full of all this jewelry and expensive ass stuff. And I, I think, Dad, you may be onto something. Doesn't seem like the sharpest tool in the shed. You know, no, he's not the brightest light in the 
in the bar neither. He just <laughs> but but it did make for a fun nine one one call. I will say that. Yeah, that was yeah, it was sure. pretty fun. Was this I in agree. New York or was this in? This is in New York. I believe I it was in his it? new condo in New York. Okay. Yeah, he had like a new condo and uh, and there was twenty one year old uh, and twenty two year old that he left at the place. It just good lord. Know. Maybe they were Steelers fans. But maybe. <laughs> He may not be the sharpest tool in the shed, but as Josh said, I, dude's living living life, man. He just is like, I don't know what they were wearing, but they stole like a million, give or take, worth of stuff, and they're both naked. So I don't even know what they were wearing. I swear. Did I, he not know what they were wearing when he got them home? Or what? I mean, did they show up naked? Yeah. I know and there's more I need to know about this story. <laughs> no, that's funny. I thought that was um, going to be an ad read, by the way. I thought you said he may not be the smartest or the sharpest tool in the shed, but he sure used SeatGeek when he buys tickets to events. <laughs> <laughs> well, if he is using SeatGeek, you should put in the promo code ACAA and he can get 20 bucks off his first his first purchase. Because he is a million dollars poor. He needs to watch <laughs> yeah. his money now. He's got to watch his budget watching those Broadway shows. So, You know, uh, we, we didn't mention this. This is new from last week, but we talked about Hard Knocks last week, and I didn't tell you this guy's before, but I read this right before we started recording. Did you see an NFL owner actually came up with a, a pretty cool idea because they're worried that Hard Knocks could get st- a little stale? Yeah. Because it's been going on for a while. Okay. And their idea was actually to do something kind of like, I know, Dad, you've seen some of this where, you know, like before a big boxing match, Showtime or either HBO or Showtime will do like those 24-7 where they get all oh, yeah. access. HBO does well, it, yeah. Yeah, the NFL wants to do a thing where they were like just extension of Hard Knocks where a couple of games in the regular season, maybe two or three of the big games, they do like an all give, – give HBO or NFL Films an all-access pass for a week leading up to like – the Chiefs and Rams would have the full week where there's all access leading up to how they're preparing and all this stuff and and ha- have that air maybe the week after or something. The Isn't game. that literally I all think or nothing, though? Be. Isn't that the premise of it? They do that for every single week of the season? Kind of, but, okay. but they're saying it <laughs> okay. would be a, like for the all or nothing picks the team. So like the one year they had the Cardinals and the Cardinals were just okay or, or the Cowboys the year. That was actually the, a good year for the Cowboys, but – you could do it before like a huge matchup between, say, the Patriots and okay, it's uh, Rams, Rams, it's per game. It's not you're not saying they'd have to stick with the Raiders all season long. Okay, I think that's no, a big yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah. a big difference for how I was imagining the series going. <laughs> you get like you get like the Chiefs, the Chiefs, or not the Chiefs, but like the Steelers, Ravens, maybe okay. ahead of a big game, which okay. I guess. That's also that's also getting Ben Roethlisberger. I don't know if we we don't want a shitty quarterback. Still, for yeah, it, but not interested. You know but, what I mean, L. <laughs> but I get the concept. The concept is there. I just thought it was a, it was a cool deal. I thought I thought it could be interesting. Yeah, that could be. All right, shifting gears to another sport now, and we don't usually talk a lot of baseball, but another headline really kind of kind of uh, gave me pause, and it was the one where the Tampa Bay Rays are wanting wanting to change over and have two different homes because yeah i don't know if you've noticed this there the tampa bay is not baseball in tampa has not been doing so hot they've tried and failed to get a a new stadium multiple times and if you've ever i i don't expect any of us to have watched a tampa sat down and watched a tampa bay ray game but if you've ever caught sports center where there's been a highlight there's literally i feel like you can count the people in the stands yeah on the highlight there's like there's like 20 people in the huge there's more empty seats than anything right so the city rolled out this new two-city plan as their solution to save baseball. And the thought is <laughs> they would like to play early season games in Tampa and the remainder of the year in Montreal. And uh, the, M- the MLB has actually given them permission to explore this plan. I'll just ask you, Pops, do- what do you think about the idea? I actually think it's kind of cool because, like, so 
in what baseball starts in the spring. So in the spring, let's play in Tampa Bay. In the summer, when it's hotter than hell in Tampa Bay, let's go up to Montreal and play. And then I guess if they were happen to get in the playoffs, would the playoffs be back in Tampa Bay? Because well, if I was a Montreal fan, I'd be pissed. I think they've got to go every other game, like every other home game. Every home game is an away game. Like there's no home team. In any Tampa game is the way that it sounds but to me. But they sell, they sell home jerseys, right, in Montreal. I mean, do they have the t- Tampa Bay Montreal Devil Rays or what? Are, I, mean, so, I don't know. I like so the premise. The, I like exploring the, the premise. I will say the, that. The pro to this and the way I could – I don't think this works, but the way it could <laughs> is I think Dad's on to something where there is some money in it because the TV money would be huge because even whether they're in Tampa or Montreal – if you're even if you're a Montreal Ray fan or whatever their team name is, <laughs> even when they're playing their home games in Tampa, that's still your team. You'd want to watch them so they could do a home and home, two different TV deals in two different markets. And then, like Dad said, it's just more jerseys to sell. There's going to be a Montreal Rays jersey and a Tampa Bay and a Rays Tampa jersey. Bay Rays jersey. Yes. And if you're a fan of either, I think you could in, be interested in having you, both. Okay. The wait. Way, wait. For just sale, a second. Yeah. Pa- think about if the Rangers decided to move to Quebec. Right. Like, do you think you would really be like, okay, okay, so the Rangers are the team. Like, you would start to think like traitors. Like, I'm not interested. Like, screw you guys. I'm a a Strohs fan all of a sudden. Like, you just did that to me. It sounds like it sounds like if you're a Rays fan, I feel like you're a pretty hardcore Rays fan and you might be upset, but you'll stick with them. There's not a whole lot of – they need Hardcore something. Hardcore Ray they fans, they should lose a few of them. Both of them. Okay. Both of them. But no, I just – I can't uh, – first off, just as a real quick digression, I, I'm also upset at myself. I, I've recently found out as an adult human being that there's no city called Tampa Bay, and it's called Tampa. And uh, so that's something that's just eluded my, my entire life. But no, I think that's a that's a terrible idea. I think like – that's like the blueprint for like having the Jaguars play in London for four games a year and then in Jacksonville for four games a year or something like none of that makes any sense to me. you got to have a home base or else home games mean nothing. I don't think fans are going to to be you're not going to have twice as many fans. You're going to have a third as many fans because it's going to have uh, diminishing returns. I just think it's a terrible idea. I think it's just a bad well, president. But I think- you know, like suddenly well, but, if a team wants to, you know, go elsewhere, they can because that's already been said. So maybe if, you know, not saying they would, but like the Dimebacks want to leave Arizona and go to Massachusetts for whatever reason. Like suddenly you've got baseball well, games that are going everywhere. Well, and so I think their their thought process was kind of like Dad mentioned. If if they played the early season games in Tampa, then they kind of, one, they get rid of the, those hot games in the summer, but also – they could get rid of a lot of those. They have to have a dome in Tampa because during the summer it rains like every day. And so they're playing in Montreal when the real, the, the rain season comes. And so they could do, and then they're also playing in Montreal. They're playing in Tampa when it's really terrible weather in Montreal. So I think the thought process is instead of building two expensive domes that would cost, I don't know, $600 million, they could do, they could try to, fleece two different towns for a cheaper 300 million stadium. One, <laughs> well I hate the way owners get new stadiums. <laughs> yeah, well this said. is dumb. But if they can't get the $600 million one, so maybe they'll just try to say, well, we'll build a cheaper one and we don't have to build domes. But but I think that the, the problem is, is if this does bring a lot of TV money, Josh is totally right. You could see teams like the Minnesota Twins going, well, you know, maybe we want to go play our summer games or our winter games when it's snowing in Minnesota 
we'll go play those down in San Antonio or something. Yeah, but you don't think like Montreal Montreal Rays fans are also going to be like, well, great, we get to watch them race for the pennant, but we never get to watch them go for the playoffs. Like it, you have to decide which stadium you're playing in at a given time. And so half of your fans are going to miss your most iconic. Maybe if home they can games. get a playoff game in Montreal. Maybe L- if they can LJ, get a- are are you? What, what's the last Broncos game you saw? Uh, I want to say it was uh, 1776, uh, the birth of an, uh, a new United Nation. <laughs> well, but and, and who's your was favorite right. team on earth? I mean, it's still it's still the Broncos. So I think I, I could see the Montreal fans. I understand, really but they've, they've always the been a distant team for me. And I get like the Montreal fans might jump on, but if I was a Tampa fan and I'm missing the most important games of the regular season because oh the weather's tough out there, like I I, I would. I would call them wusses and not like I, that would really upset. You're me. missing it anyway because no no Tampa fans are that, going to the game anyway, well, that, so they're already that's missing it. That's the point, LJ. The the the, Ray, the Devil Rays are a really good team to try this because only both their fans are going to get pissed. I mean, that's it. <laughs> that's fair. So, no, if we want to do this experiment, we take a garbage team that nobody cares about. I understand that. I'm just and, saying it's a bad idea. That's all I'm saying. You're right. <laughs> that's the right way to experiment with this, but bad idea. That's all I'm saying. You know. Okay. You know the only reason. You know another reason why this won't work, Deb. Why? I don't think the MLB Players Association lets this happen because what do players do about in-season housing? Yes, you yes, have to that's buy the other like thing. a home in both. Yeah, or no, you rent well, a house for I, I did three think months about that. at a time. Yeah, they're going to have to have a home base, I think, and the team's going to have to take care of some living quarters in Montreal, say, or something. They're, so are you going to have, like, a dorm? Is it back in college? They're going to have, like, a dorm in both yes. towns? It might be because they can probably afford it because they're going to have two cities buying all their merchandise. They're going to I have two quarter cities buying their merchandise. I can't imagine as a player you want this. Like, I can't imagine this as a player's at, at yeah. all. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. Contract negotiations. Would you rather play in two cities or would you rather move to L.A.? Or would you rather play in uh, Montreal and Quebec uh, or sign with the Rangers. Like, just pick a team where you can buy a house. I mean, already players consider, like, where taxes are lower when they're signing with teams. And so, yeah, I would definitely consider the team that doesn't make me be away from my wife and kids for three months out of the year. You know? Yeah, so if you want want to have your wife and kids somewhere, say you buy a home in both, then you're going to have sales, or like, you're going to pay taxes in now two cities, plus most, most professional athletes have an off-season home too. Yeah. So now you're saying three homes. And we're not talking about – I know like the guys like Bryce Harper or some of these guys that sign huge contracts, sure, they could do it and not worry about it. But we're talking about the Tampa Bay race. Yeah. I went and looked at the guys, their contracts. <laughs> only four players – only four players on the Tampa Bay Rays make more than $8 million a year, or at least $8 million a year. The next six highest paid players are averaging $2.6 million a year, all on one-year deals. And the rest of their team, which is over half, are making one-year contracts for the major league minimum, which to us is still yeah, I mean, a lot. Yeah, still but incredible. It, but ain't, it ain't. Yeah. Your first thought is, oh, these are professional athletes. They make millions. Not the race. No. A yeah, lot of these no. guys aren't making millions. A lot of, of these dollars. guys aren't making by two houses millions for sure. Yeah, so I I don't know if it works. I am interested in it. I do I did think it was interesting. It was a neat idea. But yeah, that's all it is to me. I think it's a neat idea. It's something if you if you play, you know, MLB two K whatever yeah. or MLB Live, whatever the or the show, yeah. maybe maybe they set an option up for you to do it and you can create two different jerseys. Right. But no, nah, um, yeah. I don't think it happens. Same. 
since we started the show, we've been asked a few times about uh, who should you bet with or how, how should you bet? Because people, for whatever reason, think we have, uh, we're have we knowledgeable in that field of at least who to that bet on. That comes up I think so much for me. Well, long enough. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah, they bet listen, the opposite way. <laughs> oh, that's it, Dad. They're not actually looking for my knowledge. Uh, they're no. just asking for the opposite. Oh, okay. Right. Well, regardless of who you're betting on, the answer to who to bet with is my bookie. Between their live game, embedding, endless props, and fantasy sports wagers, there's something for everyone with the best player perks in the sports book business. They've been good to us, and they'll be good to you. Right now, MyBookie is hooking up all our listeners. If you visit MyBookie.ag and use the promo code JPP when creating your account, you can claim a 50% bonus. So if you lay down 100 you get an extra $50 in play. That's MyBookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E dot A-G and the promo code J-P-P. You play, you win, you get paid as long as you don't bet on the same people that we tell you. <laughs> Kevin, if I oh. needed to make that bet sometime in the next like four days, but I couldn't do it by the end of this month, is that still okay? Do I have to get it by the end of this month? No. <laughs> okay. That, that, my book is hooking up J-P-P listeners for more than just the next four days. Okay. okay fantastic. That's, that makes me a lot happier. Cool. Thank you. I'm glad, I'm glad we cleared that up. Thanks, <laughs> yeah. y'all. All right. I want to completely change change gears with you. I know we've done a lot of sports, and we, and we mentioned this off the top. Dad, I don't know if you watched it yet, but LJ, I don't know about you. I, I think I, I saw that Josh has seen it, but <laughs> Toy Story 4 just recently came out. And one, I want to let I just want to go let you know, I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but man, I was impressed. Good movie. I really enjoyed it. Josh, what did you think? Did you like it? Uh, we're going to have different opinions on this one. Ooh. Oh, you weren't a fan? No, I... I it, <sighs> I would personally put it as my lowest uh, Toy Story in the entire franchise. Under two. Yeah, hmm. absolutely. Well, so are, are you, but is that, I mean, is it still high and just below? Cause I feel like all of their movies, if you go look at their ratings, With, like without they're all spoiling like it, really high for, ratings. For those that have not listened to it, I would say in terms of storyline, it was my absolute least favorite out of all of them. Wow. Kevin, hmm. how do you huh. feel? Is that, wow. Is he wrong? wrong? Is he just wrong? I mean, yeah, well, really, to, to to be plain and simple, he's just wrong. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, I really enjoyed it. Maybe maybe I was just, maybe it was the nostalgia. I think I went into it knowing I was going to like it. I actually went and rewatched some of the other Toy Stories. And one, I just want to say that the, the original Toy Story in 1995 still holds up. Like, oh, watching it today, yeah. it didn't look like a very dated movie. It still looked really good. I mean, it's a great movie. I really enjoyed it. And- I actually found I did some research on on Toy Story and that was kind of the, the that first movie was a groundbreaking yeah. animated movie that the, the original Toy Story and I looked it up at that time in 1995 Disney had already churned out like a number of uh, big animated features whether it be Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King, you name it, but Pixar which was a small animation company at the time wanted to bring something different and they they wanted to bring the first fully computer generated animated film which is what Toy Story was. Yeah. And let me just tell you that took a lot of work. Yeah. I, I don't know. I didn't know what this was. I'm sure LJ, you may have already known or Josh. I don't, I doubt that did. I don't want to assume, but Toy Story to create it, they had to render every image and rendering is essentially saving the computer image you want to go with for the perfect finished image or video frame with the, the lighting and motion effects. And to render Toy Story, it took a ton of time. The animators had 117 computers running 24 hours a day with each frame taking anywhere from 45 minutes to 1,800 minutes or 30 hours. Mm -hmm. 
And just to give you some perspective, Toy Story had 114,240 frames. So it took a long, long time to make that movie. Yeah. And I I even read on a a good day, the animator said that they completed three and a half minutes of Toy Story. That was their most productive day because they got three and a half minutes of the 77-minute film. Absolutely, yeah. And and now you look today, Pixar at the time was kind of a – they were like I said, they were a small uh, new company. Now look at Pixar; they've been dropping hit after hit after hit after hit, and yeah. it's just a money making monster. And it just blew my mind to see how how well one Toy Story was made and the progression they've made from one, two, three, four. I think this is it's true. Really impressive. I might be making this up, but I think it was either Toy Story one or two. <laughs> they almost had lost all of their render, like something happened on their computer farms, uh, and like it had almost wiped out the entire like project. Been there. I just listened to this. Yeah, I just mm. listened to this. they had like. They had it all saved up and they lost all of almost everything. And this one woman happened to have it all on her hard drive because she wanted to work from home or something. One of the animators. Oh so she was downloading on her. She was downloading everything on her computer and it wasn't completely right. It still took a lot of time, but they were able to like get all those files over. But LJ, yeah, wow. it was almost one of those days. I remember I've, I've talked to you about this when this happened to you almost. And yeah, they almost lost the entire film. And this was after it fell through like twice. Toy Story, there's actually a cool video I'll put in the show notes, but Toy Story 2 almost fell through like three or four different times. That's insane. Different because I'll tell you, there have been days where I thought that I'd lost the audio for this podcast and I almost lost an entire afternoon and I was just basically ready to give up on life. Like that was it. I was done. I can't imagine losing a year's worth of work to to a movie oh, that wow. you were working on. Like that's insanity. Well, and I, I thought interesting about Toy Story is – Obviously, everyone on here saw it at different times. When 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 it came out for me, I was just you know a wee little toddler. I was probably yeah. barely walking. Yeah, uh, LJ, this was probably right in you and Josh's wheelhouse. I mean, yeah. y'all were mm-hmm. right at the I time mean, where y'all I, I were think kids watching this. I definitely felt like I was Andy's age for the entirety yeah, I think of the I was series. Eight when mm-hmm. Toy Story came out. Yeah. Which is ironic because I took my son to see it, and so he saw Toy Story four at eight. So twenty four years later, wow. that's it's cool. Bizarre. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty neat. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's what I thought about. Like, I'm not in any hurry by any stretch of the imagination. Like, if you've listened to the pod, you know, we, we me and LJ have become uncles recently. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking to become a dad anytime soon. But the thought of watching Toy Story, like, I want to watch all four with my son one day or son or daughter because yeah. it, they hold up still to this day. And I and I thought I could mention that to dad and get your point. You were a dad, a full grown adult at the time, and you still have really fond memories of Toy Story. I think you're planning on rewatching it, correct? Absolutely, because I mean, I can hear you going from infinity to beyond. I mean, still, <laughs> yeah. I mean, just all yeah. the time. True. I mean, you on the floor with Buzz Lightyear and, uh, and uh, Woody and, and Woody. just all that and stuff. Goku, of course, and they I, were all fighting. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I have cannot, my Dragon Ball Z characters too. I cannot wait for like little honeybee. You know, to watch it with me. And I mean, I just can't wait to ask the grandkids to watch all the new movies. I, I was looking at all the Pixar movies. Oh, my God, there's a zillion of them. Yeah. And I've watched maybe a handful of them, and I can't wait to watch them and all. Truth, yeah, you're missing and, out. You you ought to be excited to watch them all because there are some just bomb movies mm-hmm. in there. I know. I was looking at them ranked and everything, and I think uh, Rat- Ratatouille or Ratatouille. I don't know how you Ratatouille. Say that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to say it. But that was like that, that was really Ratatouille. highly ranked. <laughs> that was super highly ranked, and I mean, I want to see like Cars and The Incredibles was in, was incredible, and of course the Toy Stories. But I just I want to see them all. I can't wait. Yeah. And 
And the 1995 classic, Toy Story 1, that was the start of all of that. And you're right, Dad. They went on to put, and like LJ was saying, hit after hit. There's so many good movies that you haven't seen if you haven't yeah. watched a lot of those Pixar movies. True that. Uh, Coco. There was something right? really Is interesting. Coco Disney or Pixar? Uh, Disney Pixar. So yeah, that's, that's Pixar. Oh, Coco, such yep. a good movie. Well, I haven't seen that. I had actually heard about it until I started looking at the, the top ranked uh, Pixar movies, and that was way up there. I was like, well, I have to watch this. Hmm. Good. Um, Speaking, you mentioned me playing with Buzz and Woody. Uh, did you re- did you know that originally Pixar wanted two other people? They didn't want Tim Allen and Tom Hanks. They wanted Paul Newman for Woody and Jim Carrey for Buzz oh. Lightyear. Mm. Did you guys no, know that? No, I, you, no, you made like a negative sound. That sounds kind of awesome to me. I think it'd be a different movie for sure, but I'm down with those two guys. Maybe it's just like the nostalgia biting him, but that just... Mm. It, it, it was interesting. The reason Pixar wanted them is because Jim Carrey and Paul Newman were meant to represent how new Hollywood was taking over old Hollywood. Newman being interesting. The old and See, that's being a cool new level. Hollywood. And it was going to be Buzz Lightyear taking yeah. over Woody. Because if you remember back to the old films, yeah. Buzz with the new shiny toy. Yeah. But the reason it didn't work is like we mentioned, Pixar was a new company and Disney had their doubts on whether this would work. Because no one's ever done this before. Yeah. And so Disney came back with a much smaller budget than Pixar was expecting. So Pixar had to lower their budget. Because if you think about it, Jim Carrey at the time was just coming off The Mask and Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura, yeah. A pretty uh, big name. Uh, uh, Liar Liar is probably pretty close to that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was right around the time. He was a big name. So it was going to take some money to get get old. It's not like Paul Mm -hmm. Newman did nothing in his career. So it was a big deal for (laughs) him. Right. And Paul Newman actually went on to still do a, a, a Pixar movie. I think he was in Cars. We were just talking about that, yeah. Later, yeah, before he later passed away. So he still did his Pixar movie. But interestingly, uh, after they realized they weren't going to get Jim Carrey or Paul Newman, Disney went to their next targets. And their next two targets were Chevy Chase and Billy Crystal, with oh, Billy God. Crystal being their top choice. I would wow. love that movie, but I, I don't Crystal, know if they would have gotten through it. That would have been a right. effort. It's interesting. <laughs> Billy Crystal actually, so they offered, they had the budget and they offered Billy Crystal. He declined. And then he went on later to say, after seeing Toy Story, that that was the biggest mistake of his career. And then Pixar, once Pixar heard this, they actually offered him Mike Wazowski for Monsters, Inc. So he still worked with Pixar and had a pretty big film. Right, him and Goodman. It just, it made me think about how this would have been a totally different film had it not been. I think Jim Carrey, Paul Newman would have been interesting, but... Tom Hanks. I mean, I think we can safely say Tom Hanks and Tim Allen. Wait, were pretty but so they damn couldn't good. afford they couldn't afford Jim Carrey, so they got Forrest Gump. I mean, yeah, when was Forrest I, Gump I out? I mean, was Tom Hanks? He was making, was like ninety four, maybe. He was making. He was making. Interesting, you brought that up. He was making Forrest Gump at the same time, and while he was making Forrest Gump, that he had to pause Toy Story making because he said he couldn't go into he couldn't be doing comedy and Forrest Gump at the same time because that would screw up his. I guess inner role, like doing the acting, the role, like really getting into it. So he yeah. put a pause on it. That's why, if you if you go back, the voice, if you pull when Woody's uh, string gets pulled, that's actually not Tom Hanks. That voice, what? That voice no, really? is Tom Hanks's brother, Jim Hanks. Yeah, go look him up on IMDb. What? Jim really? Hanks has a credit for Woody's voice. Yeah, the the string is Woody's is Kevin Jim Hanks. Yeah, you have blown my mind because he I'm did t- all the voices in like the video games too, right? Like yeah. his brother did. Oh, yeah, his no. brother has a lot Wait, of credits, what? and it's Buzz Lightyear. Get, go look it up. It, uh, I blew my mind, too, because Tom Hanks was busy filming some wow. other stuff. Because, like you said, Ellie, he was doing some big big movies at the time. And he was just That's all in. mind-blowing. He was all in because he just thought the idea was really cool. 
with Woody and Toy Story. And Tim Allen said one of his biggest reasons for jumping on board is Billy Crystal was his idol. And the fact that they were they couldn't get Billy Crystal and he was their next topic. He was like, hell yes, I want I want to do it. And hmm. that's interesting. That's cool. Well, another fun fact about um, Forrest Gump and Tom Hanks is uh, he didn't take I, I think he didn't take a salary for that. He just took a percentage of the what the movie made. And of course, for Forrest Gump. Yeah, Forrest Gump. I'm sorry. Yeah. And of course, he hit the jackpot with that. He did. I so, said that worked out well. Yeah. It worked out well for him. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Another wow. little fun fact for Toy Story. And Pixar's LJ, we've we've done this for with Hannah and Pixar's one. That, yeah. This was their if you go back and watch, there's like they have this is where they first started doing their the little hidden Easter eggs. And and I was reading that the reason this happens a lot in Pixar is because it's so meticulous and takes so long to animate that the animators have so much time sitting in the computer that they have time to think about these things and they just throw little things in. Yeah, like if you sense. look on certain things, there's there's one time where Woody, uh, Woody's up on a bookshelf and a lot of the books are old. Like if you read the spines of them, they're one either old, like the first short films animate that Pixar ever did, or they're like the authors are mostly names from the animators. And then the, actually the little toy soldiers that do the like the little recon for, in Toy Story – if you look close, yeah. those faces are actually resembling animators' faces. So it's a bunch That's of little cool. cool things they do. And then, though, did you guys realize Andy never had a dad? And do you ever wonder why Andy never had a dad? I always assumed a divorce, but... Um, but then he had a sister, though, suddenly. And two. Or end of one, or whenever well, that, that was. still doesn't rule out divorce. True. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know exactly why. It was just that he had a single mom. But the reason they didn't put a dad in is because at the time, it was so hard to have actual like humans in animated shows, the movements and everything and yeah. the facial expressions were really hard. So if you go back and watch Toy Story One, almost all like there's only there's very few shots of actual humans fully on. You see a lot of times yeah. it's their feet and their hands from a toy's perspective because it was so hard to do a human. And they said it would cost so much to do a dad that they were like, what if we just don't add a dad? Because it doesn't really add much to the story. And if anything Whoa, 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 whoa. Time out. Time out. Whoa, whoa, Tom Landry and Pops have a problem. I mean, (laughs) what do you mean? Uh, Too much trouble. Give me a break. Come on. Well, they were just saying, adding another parent, is the parent's not in the story a lot. Like, they didn't have the parent that much. And having a single mom in the relationship between Andy and his mom was more important, I think, they thought, than having a dad. All right. Whatever. Did you guys know, uh, and, and this might be common knowledge, but it's something I've kind of relatively recently learned, uh, Andy's hat isn't the same as Woody's hat. And it is the same as another character in Toy Stories. So it is the exact same as Jesse's hat, the the little girl. Yeah, now cow, you said cow, that, cow, I was like, yeah, toy. that's Jesse's hat. And so what the implication there is that uh, Andy's mom has always been a fan of Jesse. So Woody was a little bit of a hand-me-down, um, which is kind of a cool little added backstory. Huh. Yeah, as soon as you started saying yeah. that, I, was, I started like picturing his hat because this past weekend I watched all four movies, uh, No Life over here. <laughs> but I started picture, I started like remembering. I was like, oh, that's right, that was Jesse's hat. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and so. just to see the 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 change in from Toy Story one to four, I, I think one was great. And if you go back and watch, the graphics still hold up. But go watch the dog in one and two, and then Josh, remember the cat they showed in four? Yes, we're not going to tell you what this. the cat's doing, but the cat looks real, does it not? In, in terms of the world of what they created in four, it is beautiful. Like they did a fantastic job with that film. Like it's beautiful. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was groundbreaking in 95, but man, how they, Josh is dead on. It was beautifully done. And I was interested. I saw LJ 
I, like I was watching the credits and they had like the, the sound designer credit. And I hate that I forgot his name now, but I bet being a sound designer for an animated movies, even tougher. Is it not? Cause like he's putting every sound in. Yeah. So I'll actually, I'll give you a, a podcast to put in the show notes. Uh, there's this podcast called 20,000 Hertz that does uh podcast about sound. And there's a particular one where they talked about animate animated sound. And yeah, it's, it's a ridiculous, it's a whole different world because for one, the sound of somebody, you know, falling off of a cliff, like in a Wile E. Coyote cartoon is not what the sound of something falling off a cliff is, right? Like it's like a, a slide whistle going. Yeah. And so like part of it is like inventing sound effects. That's one of the, the really cool things about doing sound effects for an animated film. But then you're right. Like there's literally nothing recorded besides the actors in a quiet booth. So yeah, every single sound you hear had to come from somebody deciding that had to be there. Like, it's not like even in a traditional movie, this happens a lot, but like sometimes you'll have like, well, we got a recording of the door shutting when the door actually shut. So we don't need to re-record a door shutting, but in an animated movie, every footstep has to be created. So yeah, I mean, yeah it's, it's hmm. absolutely insane. Wow. Oh, <clears throat> uh, another fun fact that I found about Toy Story. Speaking of the footsteps, do you know how the animators figured out how to uh, show the, the, characters walking how they had they got they they set up two by fours on the bottom and they got shoes and glued two by fours on the bottom and walked with them and that's like all right yeah. that's how it's going to look when it when the one of these toys walks. Uh, that's awesome that's <laughs> right? awesome that's fantastic yeah makes sense too oh remembering how they walked yeah now i want to ask you guys well i thought about a draft but let's not do a draft for this just toy story characters kind of uh either your favorite or maybe a Unsung hero. I'll start off with Josh. I want to start with you. Give me, give me a. Can I say? I want to say to Josh real quick. I want to let Josh know that this is pretty normal. What happened here is Kevin will give you prep for something that he's going to do, and then totally give you a curveball (laughs) and go with you first. So beautiful. As you're as you're coming up with your character, just be aware that that's a normal experience on this show. Also, though, LJ, uh, one of the reasons for it is because Dad, we were going to draft some Pixar movies, and Dad was like, "Well, I've only seen like one of them." Well, y'all can draft. I'll be the moderator. Whatever you want to do. No, no, no. Let's do this. We're a little little short on time, so I just want to go either favorite or just uh, just a character that you really like from Toy Story. Josh, you start. You you know, yeah. uh, I think my I won't say favorite, but one of the ones that I enjoy the most is um, Slinky Dog. And part of the reason behind that is because the original voice was Jim Varney, who played Ernest. And so I've always, in my heart, loved those movies anyway. And so when his voice came out of the the Slinky dog, it's just I've always loved that character. And if you think about Slinky, every time they're in trouble, my man is always the guy who like drops them down out the window or connects them to Uh something. That Slinky must be long as hell if you've ever if you've ever (laughs) Oh, absolutely. It's overstretched. Yeah, he is he is one of the true heroes of that entire entire film. He's honestly he might not be the MVP. But he's the glue guy of that team. He's the oh, he's he's, he's the, easily the sixth man. <laughs> yeah, without him, without him, they're not winning the finals. He, he comes off the bench and plays a huge role. That's right. All right, LJ, LJ, who you got? Not because he was like a character that really it, it created all the conflict with lots of hugs in the third uh, yeah. Toy Story. Yeah. Just uh, a very necessary character. I really enjoyed him being there. That's that's my answer. A, a necessary evil in three. Yeah, necessary. The story doesn't happen without that evil. I mean, it it could, but like it'd be a thirty minute movie. So, all right, pops, I agree with that. That's a good one, pops. Who you got? 
Well, I mean, I'm going to go with the obvious because I hadn't watched them all. But Woody, I mean, I loved Woody. I mean, come on. What is what is the What's man? What's not to love about yeah, Woody? Woody is the man. I mean, and it was close between him and Buzz, but I went Woody. Yeah. So on Woody, uh, have you seen a, a relatively popular tattoo nowadays is actually getting Andy written on your right foot on the bottom of it, just like Woody has, which I think is kind of an awesome tattoo. Ow. Oh, huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's it's really it looks super cool. painful. But also. But it sounds awesome. Also, I had a problem with that. So Woody's a small character. These guys are small toys. I don't. You've had toys. It would be hard, especially for Andy of all people, a little kid, to write legibly Andy on the bottom That's of that true. little bitty tiny foot. I'm trying to. Yeah, let's see. I've got a sharpie. Like let's let's try to write Andy in like a. It's tiny. Oh no no no! This is looking great. It's great radio this. here. You can go on a, a cowboy's foot. Yeah, but you're you're an adult. I mean, that's true. About, you know, that's a big difference. Well, yeah, we're talking about a five year old well, writing Andy on the bottom of this shoe. Yeah, that's true. That's so, true. Josh that's just true. called LJ an yeah. adult. How about that? <laughs> first, yeah. first person to do that in about a year. So, but so all right, my favorite character is going to be uh, Rex the Green Dinosaur, voiced by Wallace Shawn. Wallace Shawn, and I just he Wallace he always Shawn. every time like there's comedic relief. I just love Rex. He just cracks me up. I they really yeah. scared of everything. There should be a controversy from Toy Story 2 because he definitely got a concussion when they busted through that vent to get to get Woody and they just played right through the pain. Just gave him some smelling salts and let him play through it. Oh, my God. I don't want to talk about this too long, but did you see that Joe Namath apparently has uh, has both prevented and cured CTE and himself? Have you seen this? No, I have not. Is this? No. I don't know if you cure it with a lot of cocaine and alcoholism, but, <laughs> but apparently that's what it takes. So anyway, sorry, let's get wow, back to Wow, we went from it. Toy Story to cocaine and alcoholism. <laughs> wow, LJ, what a, what a swift turn. Well, you went to CTE. I'm sorry. That's where I went. I'm but sorry. I'm going to go with, I'm going to stay with LJ. Rex is my favorite, but just on LJ's note of characters that were definitely like the evil character that was a necessary evil. I loved Al the Toy Collector, played by Wayne Knight in Toy Story yeah. 2. And another reason is because... Was that Wayne yeah, Knight? And the only reason yeah. I, oh, snap. Yeah, yeah that's man. all I could think about. As as I didn't realize that's who that was until I rewatched it, and all I could hear was, no, man. <laughs> like, that's all I could hear. <laughs> and I just think he plays a great role. At, and it's like you said, LJ, they needed yeah. that. One was great with the, the Buzz-Woody dynamic, and then the evil that they had. And the other two are great. Yeah. I, I love the Toy Story movies, and I just think they're fantastic. And I would say, just you might agree All with Josh. You might disagree with Josh. I would say, <laughs> give it a chance. Go check it out. It's a good. It, either way, how far they've come between one and four is just amazing. All right, now yeah. I want to finish up how we always do, and we've been talking about this for a while, and we are going to finally get to it. The Led Zeppelin re-listen. We re-listened to the Led Zeppelin one. That was 1969. Is that correct, LJ? Yep, 1969. Uh, exact date was like January 11th, I think, or January 12th. And I'm going to January 12th. I'm going to kind of punt over to you guys a little bit, but I just I, I listened to one. LJ, you made the playlist for the one we just listed our album, and then is that other playlist just the top 40 of 1969 or at the time? Yes, it's the top 40 of the day before this album was released, so we could kind of get an idea for how uh, the world was before the album was released, like what kind of music people were listening to. So so that's what that other album On was. my re-listen, and I want to, like I said, I want to kind of get y'all, I feel like y'all are going to have more input on this, but just in general, one, Led Zeppelin one, a rocking ass album. It was really good. Yeah, dude. Two, yes. it is 100 like, so different than everything else on that playlist like there's i can't even believe they came out at the same time it is so different 
Yeah, it does feel like a different era to me. I, I'm glad you said that too. I don't know if dad, you were like, we've mentioned before, like just like what, three years old, four years old at that point. So it's not something you remember, but that's, that definitely stood out to me that that felt like a completely different era. Oh, absolutely. The, 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 the music that by and large on the top 40, I mean, so much Motown sound so much. Yeah. Yes. I wanted to see how many were actually on the Motown label. I, I at least had 12 that I just assume were Motown. Out of 40. Label that songs. Makes, I mean, that's not surprising. <clears throat> no, yeah. I didn't double check that. But then I heard, you know, to, to what I would put in is rock and roll is Crimson and Clover. You know, I put that as rock and roll. Yeah. Uh, uh, ish, yeah. Touch Me by the Doors. Uh, Magic Carpet Ride by Steppenwolf was probably one of my that very favorite rock. songs. Yeah. But it was, and it was rock. Yeah. And there were others. There were many that I could see my mom and dad dancing at Garner State Park. That's where they grew up dancing, and uh, uh-huh. B.J. Thomas, some of that kind of stuff. But then, God, who was uh, Wichita? Wichita, Wichita Lyman, Lyman was Glenn Lyman. Campbell uh, from yeah. from shout out to D. Light Arkansas, population of about ninety two. <laughs> it's not a very D-Lite big town, Arkansas. <laughs> D. Light Arkansas, and and I mean that's a great song. I mean, it was one of my very favorites. I mean, there were several on there. Uh, got Tammy Wynette. Made a little appearance. Uh, Stand by your man. That was good. Yeah, that was that, good. I had yeah. never heard that before. That the Elvis Presley, if I can dream, you know, uh, which is kind of a gospel yeah. song, was was my mom's big sound, probably though. favorite song uh, of all yeah. that. I loved it. Uh, Sly and the Family Stone on there. I'm with you, LJ. You mentioned yeah. the uh, the Bee Gees. I started a joke. I. Ooh, God, I, what I had to a, barely what an get awful through song. that. What? It just was not a good song. <laughs> Uh, and I like the Bee Gees. I mean, I like the three songs I know by the Bee Gees, but that was a bad song. Yeah. Jeez. Papa's Got a Brand New Bag by Otis Redding. I love that song. I know. Uh, Now, one question for you. So, Hey Jude was on there by Wilson Pickett and by the Beatles. Yeah. So. Yeah, both of them. And actually, Wilson Pickett was higher at the time, which I assume means that Hey Jude had come out six months ago and it was just still on the charts. And Hey Jude was a Beatles song, right? They wrote it or am I wrong about that? Yes. Okay. No, you were correct about that. In fact, uh, I think McCartney wrote it to John Lennon's son, but I could be totally off base on that. I think you're right. I think I've heard that. But yeah, definitely a Beatles song. No question. But I, I guess I'm like Wilson Kevin. Wilson version's good, but. It is. It's very good. But I'm like Kevin. Then Led Zeppelin 1 comes out, and it just starts off with good times, bad times. Babe, I'm going to leave you. Yeah. It's just like, oh, wow. This is totally different than anything you've heard up yeah. to that time. Well, that's what, when I listened to the first song, Good Times, Bad Times, I instantly had like a Boston vibe, right? Which is like already like, so they're, what, what's that, like 15 years in the future? Just immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and. So that was already like, all right, I'm going to like this album immediately. And then Babe, I'm going to leave you, uh, took that just good fun time to this like really musicality level of interesting. Like it's just, it's not just a song. It's like one of those songs that you listen to and it kind of like lingers with you. It like haunts you when you go to sleep at night. Like it's such a cool song. So yeah, the beginning of this album, the first two songs I was already like, Yep, I understand. I understand why they're one of the greats. Like, without even listening to the rest of the album, I could have answered that. You know, I like the word you used, haunting. I mean, I think a lot of this had a haunting kind of sound to it. It was yeah, it, amazing music uh, Do you think, that came out. Do you think that, uh, and we'll get into this more because we're going to kind of continue on the road, but did this have, what, what kind of impact, did you hear more of this sound and music moving forward? Did this kind of start a change? Well, I I think so, but I think that's the premise of what we're going to prove or disprove here. I would I would think yes that this 
probably bred a lot of artists uh, that that were had somewhat similar type sound, but nobody did it like Led Zeppelin. And and one thing before I forget, I do want to shout out. I talked to uh, my buddy Doug, who is a rock Big and roll Doug? music lover. Big Head Doug, and so he he says that. It's a really incredible album, arguably the best debut album ever. Another fun discussion, best favorite debut album, which which would be something we could talk about. This is a debut album. True, yeah. This sounds like this could easily be like they're like, if you just told me this is the best, I haven't listened to a lot of Led Zeppelin, but if you just told me this this is the best Led Zeppelin album, I could go, oh, it is a pretty damn good one. And to know this is their first one, first debut album. It is yeah. a kick-ass Oh, album. I, can't wait, I can't wait to get to some of the other ones. I mean, Houses of the Holy, yeah. we're going to talk about that. Four. Oh, my God, I can't wait. Physical Graffiti, yeah. In Through the Outdoor. Anyway, I'll shut up. That will, in good time. <laughs> I mean, were they just dropping albums like every couple months? Cause like, well, so at early on, yeah, they were. Because like, like, I'm already a little bit ahead of you guys. I've already put together the playlist for the top 40 for the next album. And so you guys are wondering, I can already tell you the answer, did music change before their second album came out? The answer is no, because I think there was like maybe maybe 12 months between those two albums. But I don't even think it was that well, it long. Says, like, I think it might have been I've six or something. I've seen on Spotify that Led Zeppelin 1 and 2 both came out in 1969. And Led Zeppelin 3 came yeah, out in so 70. I think so it was, I think it was from... I think it was January to October was album one to two. So the answer to the question, did music change by the time their second album came out is absolutely not because there's just wasn't enough time. And also, uh, I, dad, I don't know. You surely didn't know this at, at the age you were, but I've read about how they were critically really panned on. Like the only people that liked them were people that they almost after this album, uh, had to call it quits, but the word of mouth got out that they were such a great live band that people still kept showing up to their shows and stuff like that. And then that's when people acquired the taste for this sort of brand of rock and roll. And, uh, and so that's what gave them the success that continued onward. It wasn't that people liked it when this came out, really. Well, it's kind of, I mean, you say rock and roll, but it's, it's kind of like, I call it like hard blues. Wouldn't you? I mean, it's a little bit. Definitely. Well, that's one of the things. Yeah. Like, uh, babe, I'm going to leave you is a blue song. You shook me is straight up a blue song with harmonica. That's that's my favorite. That's my favorite song on the album. You shook me was so good. You you know, Mm. we talked about too, by the way, uh, that song really stood out to me because we happened to talk about before I listened to the album about how Motown puts song like sounds in your left and right ear. and Like really like, forces your perspective you shook me moved the sounds around my head as i was listening like the in the guitar solo uh it, the drums go from like left to right in your ear and then back to uh, right to left It's really a neat concept that they were playing with at a time where it didn't seem like anybody, they were just playing with the idea of two ears. And Led well, Zeppelin was playing with how do we mess with those two ears. Well, that's what I, I I noticed right away in the album. There's a couple of songs where it kind of, and maybe I just noticed it in that one specifically, but my first time listening through it, I thought, whoa, they really played with the way it's moving between two ears. And were they you played with engineering it? really hard, yeah. That did seem like there was some of that in, in the music in that top 40 just not the same. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, a little bit like I think so, like uh, a thing that I noticed a lot in the top 40 of that day of that era 
uh, was like the drums would all be in your left ear and the guitar would all be in okay, your right yeah. ear and the organ would all be in your left ear and the bass would be in your right. And then the lead singer would be in both ears. And so Led Zeppelin was kind of trying to blend all of the sounds in both ears, but then mess with it and manipulate it throughout the song. And yeah, you can definitely hear it. And you shook me. I mean, at um, one point it does, you're literally like, if you're watching the drummer, they're on a, like a thing circling around you because it moves just from that ear to the right. And it was so cool. I mean, it was a neat one. Well, that's, I was legitimately wondering with the technology they had in 1968, 1969, I'm, I'm sure they were recording onto tapes at that point. And so trying to figure out how they recorded and made that effect happen. Like I almost have to imagine that there was a guy with the microphone running past him. Like that's, that can't be right, but it also feels like it has to be right. Like I just, that based on the technology that I think they had at the time, it, it's incredible what they did. Um, and then also on You Shook Me, Robert Plant's vocal ability at the end of that song where he's doing that echoey bit with the guitar, like his control of his vocal cords was just like, wow, yeah. I was blown away by that. have one more real thought on the album the well two more thoughts on the album the the back half the side two of the album was not my favorite side a was much better than side b um but black mountain side was really great like that that really showed off their versatility i thought that was a really cool song it's that instrumental acoustic guitar bit it's really fantastic but to end out side one dazed and confused so i've always heard that black sabbath was the first metal band ever in the in the history of rock and roll and uh, their first album came out in 1970, I believe. Dazed and Confused feels like the inspiration for Black Sabbath, which obviously came out about a year before they did. Um, Dazed and Confused has such a metal feel to it. It's, it's that really dark, really slow, really... Uh, aggressive sort of feel. And so I would like to throw down right now and say that I think Led Zeppelin might be the first metal band. Just throwing that out there. Huh. I wouldn't argue with that. Absolutely. I wouldn't argue with that. I know. I know listening to it. I thought my thought was this is there because there's one, I can't remember the name of it. There's one song that had, I thought they're just that the diverse diversity. There was the, like dad said, there's that blues feeling a couple. There's that, Almost there's yeah. one song I felt like had a, a little bit of a folksy feel. And then there's just some rock. I mean, there's just some jamming rock yeah. throughout the album. Yeah. I thought the, the, the diversity that they showed in the album was, I was like, wow, Led Zeppelin. I, I'm a yeah. little disappointed myself not knowing more because all these songs felt new to me. And maybe I just yeah. don't think I've listened to much Led Zeppelin I in knew, my time. I think I knew three songs off the album, which I guess maybe we should like Kevin, you and I should like kind of give that number as we okay. go. Because I think that might be interesting as we go. But yeah, I think I think I knew, uh, babe, I'm going to leave you dazed and confused. And uh, maybe so maybe two. I think I knew two before this listen. I don't think I had any. All of them seemed like brand new to me. So and I and I love well, what's interesting good. is y'all are talking about these. These were were recording in 1969. And you're still I mean, these yeah. are rocking songs. I mean, they're still yeah. they hold up. I, I really think they hold up and I think they hold yeah. up well. I agree. And well, and they were recorded in 68, right? Because this dropped at like the top of 69. So these, so are these were recorded 50 years ago. You're talking 50 years yeah. ago. Yeah. 
and they're and they're still rocking. Yeah. Some. I'll tell you one thing we've learned I, from this podcast. Yeah. I think two things hold up over time: Toy Story and Led Zeppelin. I mean, they both hold up over <laughs> <Yep>. time. <laughs> there you go, Dad. Did you have any other overarching overarching thoughts from the album and from the listen, or? Uh, you know, I, I took a lot of notes. I, I mean, y'all can't, but I took a lot of notes on the songs. I mean, I tried <laughs> to record every one that was on the top 40 and, uh, you know, Canned Heat was on there. Good Lord. I mean, and I, I remember some Canned Heat, but that's an interesting <laughs> yeah. band. Um, Cinnamon by Derek. Um, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Very, very just different sounding stuff. And then Led Zeppelin really just took it to another level. So Chase I, the game. I, they changed the game. I think without Led Zeppelin, do you get Appetite for Destruction? I don't know. I don't know if you Great get question. Guns N' Roses and Appetite for Destruction without Led Zeppelin. So, well, and I think the the que- the answer to that question lies in how much do you trust Deep Purple and Black Sabbath to carry the entire load instead of Led Zeppelin carrying a third of that load? Um, because they also those two were the other probably innovators in that heavy heavy sound. So, I think you probably don't get. Axl Rose doing his thing and Slash doing his thing in the same way. There'd be a different version of them for sure. Like the album that they ended up coming up with was heavily dependent on, you know, uh, uh, Paige and, and, and uh, John Paul Jones and John Bonham and, and Robert Plant all getting together. I think that's a big factor in most of the music that we listen to from that rock genre. I do too. I do too. You know, I, my final They're note my from, from all time. the uh, the playlist of the top forty at the time, I my man Otis Redding, I dig some Otis Redding. Boy, kills no, I hell, dig yes. some Otis Redding. Papa's got a brand new bag. Was I was jamming? Yeah. Well, and I mean, there are some there are some all time greats on that. Josh and I were just talking about. I know we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, but man, that that top forty list has just such a high number of just some oh. of the awesomest musicians and singers of all time like it's such a great list and then yeah like we it's talked so about this before i heard it through the, the grapevine with marvin gay i mean that's still one of the I mean, that uh, song was just marvin gay something else yeah yep so yep. yeah i, I was uh, i was skeptical a little bit of this project because when i was just like I, I will see how it goes and one i really liked i i was overly impressed with one the first album and two the the idea of listening to them both and the difference in led zeppelin's first album and the top 40 at the time i it was really cool. I'm glad you kind of came up with this LJ and I'm, I'm excited to keep it going. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. I can't wait to also get you in on the Beatles, but uh, that'll be another time. So. True, true. Um, as moving forward. So moving forward, what our, our listeners and we should do is I've got the top 40 from uh, the, for the next album made on a playlist. I'll send it to you guys. We'll put it on the website and in all the places that we will. And then also, once you've listened to that, listen to Led Zeppelin too, and then we'll talk about it either next week or the next. We'll see what happens. And just in case you didn't get a chance to listen, if any of the listeners didn't get a chance to listen to either Led Zeppelin 1 or the Top 40 Plus, it was put into our What We're Listening To tab on the Just Press Play pod. If you go scroll below our our playlist, there's like tabs where you can click on each different playlist. Uh, what we're going to post it into the show notes for this week's episode. If you're wanting to listen to, we'll post a link to it. And we may also even get a, another link kind of on our homepage of, of maybe LJ's masterclass or, or something fair. to yeah. that extent. Yeah, so we'll make this idea. accessible. If you're interested in doing it, if you've heard this and it sounds cool, or if you've been wanting to get, a, get along with us, uh, it's a real fun project and I I'm, I'm excited to move forward with it. Uh, do you guys have anything else before we get out of here? 
I do watch women's soccer. Yeah. Okay. They're about to win the World okay. Cup again. Our girl's about to do it again. Is yeah. that all you? I mean, did you have anything more? You just wanted to say, watch them. That's it. No, that's the end of it. Yeah. No. Okay. That's the end of it. Yeah. It's exciting. Oh, I have a question. This, this is quick. <laughs> the commercial. Have you guys seen the commercial of it, it's a woman on her iPhone and she's like at a nail salon or something and she's just laughing? The whole podcast or the whole commercial is her laughing. Yes. yes. I'm getting. No, okay, she's literally that. just cracking up the whole thing, and she just keeps it's for like, like thirty seconds. It's like she keeps just, getting more text messages because you hear like the zoom, zoom, zoom sound an iPhone does when you get a text message, and whatever it is, it just has her yeah. dying laughing. I wanted to ask you guys. I guess you hadn't seen it, LJ. Dad, do you? I've been hearing different things. Some people hate it and say it's annoying. What do you think about the commercial? I can't help. I'm giggling by the I end. Think I it's cannot help hilarious. myself. I'm absolutely. It's like somebody just laughing their ass off. They just cannot stop. It's like when your stomach hurts and you just can't quit. And laughing. every day, LJ, every time she's like trying to quit laughing, like another laugh, like the next message makes her laughing more. And I, I heard people just say they hated it and it's annoying. And I tell you the truth, I was playing and I've already seen it like three times. And I sat there and watched the whole commercial again on TV because I just it just makes me giggle watching it and I don't even know what she's I, laughing at me too I'm watching it right it's, now and it's I'm, I'm it's good uh, 11 seconds in and I'm already like I'm into it I, this is pretty funny I don't know I just went I'll put it in the show notes too <laughs> very contagious very contagious laughter it's a contagious yeah. laugh I just I saw so many people on yeah. the internet and at work even tell me how much they hated it and it's so annoying and I was like I can't lie I love that commercial I, I think I it's too. hilarious I, I do too I love it <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. All right. Well, that'll do oh, she's upset. <laughs> okay, we're good again. We're good again. <laughs> that'll do it for a week. We're just going to laugh the rest of this podcast. So that'll do it for another edition of the JPP pod. You can find all our show notes and everything uh, related to the pod over on our website. That's at or www.jpppod.com. You can all also follow us on Facebook or Twitter. We post everything over on there. And uh, Josh, we appreciate you. We appreciate having Jay Money on. Pops L. Jay Money. Another, another good week on the JPP pod. All right. Peace. Peace. <laughs> <That> was- Peace. <laughs> <laughs>